I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. When was the last time you had a night out at the theater? The house lights dim, the curtains go up, and a stage lights up before you. I am somewhat aware of what was and is. I have a glimpse at what ought to be. I seek to live as though that ought to be is. The room becomes a place of magic, transporting you into tales of high drama, tragedy, love, humor, or sometimes just plain musical fun. The Bay Area has long been a region with a deep love for local theater and artists. People crave that live experience for generations, but now audiences have been getting smaller and smaller. When the pandemic struck, that trend accelerated dramatically. While people flocked to the cinema in big numbers this summer to watch the Barbenheimer double feature, attendance at playhouses remains low. Nationally, theater attendance has dropped by about 50 percent compared to before the pandemic. In the Bay Area, theater subscriptions have fallen anywhere from 20 to 60 percent. That's forcing many local theaters into crisis mode. Today on Fifth Emission, I'm joined by Chronicle Theater critic Lily Janik, who reported earlier this week about the emergency fundraising campaign launched by Theater Works Silicon Valley, the third largest nonprofit theater in the region. That campaign isn't just a rallying cry for help. It's also an urgent warning sign for anyone who cares about local theater. Later, I'll speak to Giovanna Sardelli, Theater Works' artistic director, about what's at stake as local theaters struggle to survive and why going to the theater is something that everyone should consider doing right now. First, Lily Janik, thanks for being here. Thank you, Cecilia. Lily, the pandemic has been a challenge for everyone in every kind of industry, but why haven't theaters bounced back in the same way that other businesses have? Oh, man, this is getting into giant, like, systemic questions about who theater is for, who historically it's been for. And, you know, I don't want to like totally stereotype who subscribers are, but the folks who would fork over hundreds of dollars of cash and commit to six shows over the course of a year, they might be a little bit older, they might be a little bit whiter, and if you've been kind of catering to them your for the past two decades of making theater and now because of the pandemic those folks just got out of the habit of going who is going to come instead maybe some of your subscribers have aged out and you haven't cultivated that new audience yet, or even figured out who your community is. Theaters have been reporting declining subscriber numbers for years. This long, long, long predates the pandemic. It's just like a beautifully, perfectly, like slightly downward slope going back decades. But then when the pandemic hit, it's like, oh, those numbers went off a cliff. So If you're a theater company, it's like, who is still in your area? Who still cares about theater? Did your subscriber base, like, move to Austin, Texas as part of the great exodus? I mean, it's just so many massive 
macro level questions that go far, far beyond theater itself. Right. And this trend, I understand, is happening everywhere, not just in the Bay Area. But are Bay Area theaters facing specific kinds of unique challenges? It's really not unique. I mean, it's theaters all over the country. Oregon Shakespeare Festival launched an emergency fundraising campaign earlier this year that thankfully was successful and they met their goal. But now it's like, that's this year. And we can't have an emergency fundraising campaign every year. What's unique about the Bay, perhaps, is the concentration of wealth we have here. Just the richest companies in the world, so many of them are right here. And yet we don't have the philanthropic support of the arts that maybe past titans who made their wealth in other industries, maybe they would have supported their theaters, their orchestras, their opera companies. But there's a disconnect that feels especially ripe here just because they're in our backyard. Well, you mentioned emergency fundraising campaigns. That's what theaters have had to do recently. And you broke the news earlier this week that Theater Works Silicon Valley launched a similar effort. Before we get into that, tell me what's significant about this particular theater. Oh, man. I just love the story of Theater Works because it was founded by Robert Kelly, a Bay Area native and Stanford grad in 1970. And he ran that company for 50 years. And as he was getting ready to retire, the theater won the regional Tony Award, which is kind of the highest honor that any theater outside of New York can get. And he built that company from nothing to the third largest nonprofit theater in the Bay Area behind ACT and Berkeley Rep. They just do really uplifting work that champions the human spirit. If you like want to go and feel connected to the rest of the human race or feel better about the fate of the world, like Theater Works is usually your company. And they have launched so many careers. I mean, playwrights, actors. It's really hilarious to go back and look at Photos of young Jessica Chastain or Zendaya performing in shows at theater works back in the day. You think about playwrights like Rajiv Joseph and Lauren Gunderson having early works performed there. Just, it's like a who's who of theater artists who got their start at that company. And the campaign that just launched is called Save Theater Works Now. What's the goal? So board member Holly Ward painted kind of a stark picture for me. They realized they'd budgeted a year of $8 million in expenses, and that largely because of those declining subscriber numbers, they're only going to take in $5 million in revenue, and they will be having cash flow problems beginning in November if something major doesn't change. So the goal is to raise $3 million by then. And they're kind of asking everyone to double what they would normally give. And 
when I asked TheaterWorks, hey, what happens if you don't make that goal? Giovanna Sardelli, their new leader, told me, I don't even want to really entertain that possibility. I just believe that our community is going to rise to the challenge. And that was heartening to me. So it's such a dire situation that you're describing, Lily. And it's suggesting that keeping theaters afloat costs a lot of money, millions of dollars. What's been driving up the costs? Ooh. Well, so it's it's definitely not every single theater that, you know, runs on a multi-million dollar budget. There are really just a handful here in the Bay Area. And there have been a lot of reasons for increased costs. One is inflation, which A, drives up the cost of things like lumber, which you need to build sets, but also hits consumers in the pocketbook. But it's also been a labor reckoning in theater that was fueled by the George Floyd protests back in 2020. There were industry-wide sets of demands that circulated saying, we're not going to work 12-hour days anymore and demanding fairer wages and just better labor practices across the board. Those demands are righteous and just, and we should have made them a long time ago, but it They also mean that theater's budgets are going to be tougher to balance if you're going to meet all of those demands. So those are just a couple of things. So in the meantime, while these fundraising campaigns are happening, how are theaters trying to adapt to tightening their purse strings? Oh, well, I suspect we're going to see a lot more solo shows and two-person shows as theaters try to save there where they can. I also suspect we're going to see more seasons with crowd pleasers in the lineups. So, for example, I was kind of surprised to see Guys and Dolls on San Francisco Playhouse's coming season. But you know what? That's a title that a lot of people know. Even if you're not a theater person, that's maybe a show you've heard of. You know the song, Luck Be a Lady. And maybe that will be the thing that makes you decide of all the things to do on a Friday night. "Mm, I want to go to something that I'm pretty sure I'm going to like. So I think we might see more kind of conservative choices like that, which... You know, nothing wrong with conservative choices, but me, the theater critic who loves newer newer works and more experimental scripts, pieces that challenge what I think theater can be, I think that theater leaders might be a bit more risk-averse as they consider those projects. You mentioned about this untapped concentration of incredible wealth here in the Bay Area that could help out theaters. Are there things that local governments or the community at large could be doing, you know, certainly buying subscriptions to theater, but what other sorts of untapped sources of support are there? It's kind of staggering to consider how our country at all levels of government supports the arts versus how other developed countries do. 
it boggles the mind. And there was a really beautifully put call in the New York Times by the writer Isaac Butler recently for a federal theater project for our own time, kind of a works progress administration model where the government invests in artists as not as some decorative extra, but as a core part of who we are as a country to help set down our stories and notate what matters to us and reflect communities back to themselves on stage. I mean, there have been many, many such calls for those Depression-era investments over the years, but now is kind of a perfect time for that. I mean, what would it look like if we regarded our artists as, as these essential workers who help us make sense of our lives and our issues and say, no, this is what our culture is right now. This is what matters to us. We have such, such talented artists just here in the Bay Area, and we don't invest in them. The National Endowment for the Arts hasn't given direct grants to artists since what, the 90s? That's embarrassing. We should be ashamed of ourselves. Come on. Yeah. I mean, I we want to energize our listeners to maybe check out some upcoming shows in the Bay or some plays. Are there, Is there anything coming up that you're particularly excited about? Oh, my goodness. So I w- got to observe a rehearsal for Hippest Trip, the Soul Train musical that is making its world premiere at American Conservatory Theater. And I got to observe some dancing and... That floor in that rehearsal room, the floor like seemed to break apart and then turn into primordial ooze. Like that's how on fire these dancers were. And when the actor playing Don Cornelius enters, it's like an event. It is like (laughs) the seas, the Red Sea parts. Like that is how cool this figure is as he walks on stage for the first time. And this was all without costumes, lighting, sets, anything. This was just dance and music. So I cannot wait for that. I'm hearing some optimism in your voice. I I wonder for you, what does this moment as a theater critic of of seeing all these theater and these companies face such unprecedented challenges... Are you feeling optimistic overall or, you know, do you think this is an opportunity for something different to finally be decided by the industry? I mean, if we don't see this as an opportunity, then we're kind of sealing our own fate. We have to see this as an opportunity to write some new premises of what the industry could be. And You know, I'm not an artist myself. I don't have that vision of what that could be. But I, like anyone else, face my dark times, certainly. But I also feel so energized whenever I get to sit down and 
talk to an artist. I mean, just talking to Lauren Gunderson, she is a San Francisco playwright who I got to talk to for this theater work story because her Silent Sky was theater works production of that show was a real moment for her in her career. And we were talking about how do we bring audiences back? And she had this great thought of, well, if spectators want familiar stories, stories they already know, titles that they feel optimistic about, maybe it's a time of adaptation. Maybe we take some of these older stories and find the way to make them resonate now or find the new way to tell them. And that just sounded so right. And so I, I have to feel that if we get artists like her, the resources they need, and if we get artists in a room to really come up with what they want to what they want to make on our stages i don't know i just i just have such faith in artists and every time i get to talk to one of them it's like going to church i just feel like all the all the tension and worry melting away and like i've had a religious experience So that always gives me cause for hope. If this is really a do or die moment for local theater, what might we lose if more theaters shut down for good? Theater Works Artistic Director Giovanna Sardelli explains after a quick break. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Giovanna Sardelli is the artistic director for Theater Works Silicon Valley, which launched an emergency fundraising campaign this week. Giovanna, pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. You stepped into your new role as the artistic director of Theater Works just a couple of weeks ago, and I'm sure you've been keenly aware that theaters have been struggling for some time, but when did you realize that your new theater company was in trouble? We've known for a while that the industry itself was collapsing. Theater upon theater is closing. It was amazing. We all looked and said, oh, we must sound the alarm right now. We have to. When we launched our subscription for our fantastic season that is upcoming, we also were basing it on assumptions that were modified from COVID, obviously, but we didn't think it would be the significant hit It is. And that's what's happening to theaters across the country. If you thought you made an assumption that was informed and reasonable, we're finding that we're off by 25%. I just threw that number out there. We're finding that we're off. And so that was something else when we suddenly started to look ahead and say, okay, we need to announce what's happening right now. Yeah. And this emergency fundraising campaign that just launched... The Theater Works is candid about what the need is. You need to raise $3 million by this fall. Tell me about that decision to go public. Like you said, it was time to sound the alarm. This was a rallying cry for the theater community in a lot of ways. 
I think like a like a lot of theaters, you wonder when should we tell? We've been so good at raising money. We've been so we've had such supportive people. We, the question of do we tell the public or do we work this privately? And we really decided the runway is short, um, and we wanted to also do it to remind people of this gem in their midst that not only serves their community, but the greater theatrical community. The plays that we make here are seen across the country. The playwrights we support here are working across the country. So for me, it was so important that we we do this while we're also able to celebrate what we do that is special and have been doing successfully for 20 years and to be able to put the plea directly to the audience while they can experience the art we make. We heard from Lily about this decline in theater attendance that's been happening for a while but was accelerated by the pandemic. Obviously, COVID-19 was a factor. People stayed away from indoor spaces. Now we're at this part of the pandemic. Why are people still staying away? What do you think are some of the main factors here? Even people who love theater are attending less than they used to. And somebody said to me, we're out of the habit. People are a little more spur of the moment. And I I think there's truth in that. I think they're out of the habit. I think when something has existed in your community for a long time, you take it for granted. You just believe it will always be there. We've been here for 53 years now. So I think people assume we're strong, uh, that we would be here for another 50 years. And so that was, I think, part of the problem. You start to take it for granted and go, oh, well, I'll come back to it in a few months or later. And there's not going to be a later if we don't support theater works and support the arts. Right. And people are also just being entertained in other ways. You know, there's so many things that beg our attention and keep us distracted. But what does live theater provide us that no other form of entertainment does, you think? When you sit in a theater and you are held in the story, there is something sacred about it. People go to church to to be with their community. We intend to do when you come to the theater is it is a living, breathing, shared experience of entertainment and empathy. It is a heart-opening experience. And there is nothing like being in the room where the story is told. It is our most human and basic instinct. How little kids who say, tell me a story. I don't think we ever grow out of that. And that's what we do. You are in the room with the people telling it, sharing it, creating it essentially together. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the losses would be huge if, you know, things continue the way as it has been, you know, for the larger community, but especially for folks like yourself, for artists, for creative people. This is such a specific place for all of you to belong to. It is. We're one of the largest arts employers in the Bay Area. And so if we go away, when I say that, I cannot imagine a community would let that happen because how dry and sad and empty would a community that does not have art and artists in engaging uh, their community. And I just cannot believe it will happen. I truly do. It is a rallying cry. It is, it is a call for people to step up. Theater has always depended 
we're a Tennessee Williams character. We depend upon the kindness of strangers because that is how it is set up. That's the system. Obviously, this is a a serious time, but I also wonder for you, is this also a time for an opportunity for the theater industry? You know, maybe especially for nonprofit theaters. Is this a time to rethink how those companies are run? It very much is. I mean, we're looking at all these models. This is a time of transformation and transformation is change. And to me, it's always an opportunity to look at getting back to our roots, to look at how we have best served our community in the past. What does our community need from us? How do we make ourselves vital, valuable, integral? Because something clearly in the past few years of COVID, we lost something. I want to figure out how we need to change so that we can regain our strength and then remain strong for uh, you know another 50 years. Giovanna, what's the message you want to leave our listeners with? My message would be come to the theater. The best way to save the theater is come to the theater. We're asking people to go to our website and to donate. And no amount is too small. I would just say come out. We know that there are some people who need to wear masks and we're, we want people to feel safe. My hope is there are a myriad of ways to give and to support. And right now, showing up is the most important thing you can do. Well, Giovanna, thank you so much for sharing your message with us. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for uh, giving me this moment. Thank you. Giovanna Sardelli is the Artistic Director for Theatre Works Silicon Valley, which launched an emergency fundraising campaign earlier this week. If you want to learn more about that or support their effort, visit theaterworks.org. To read about Theatre Works and other reporting from Chronicle Theatre critic Lily Janik, visit sfchronicle.com and the Chronicle app. Thank you to Theatre Works for providing some of the audio for this episode, which was produced by Keith Manconi and edited by Gary Baca. Thanks for listening.